June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Tonight, on the eve of the 20th anniversary of the deadliest terror attack on American soil, we remember from Ground Zero here in Lower Manhattan. Honoring the legacies of the nearly 3,000 Americans lost here at the Pentagon and Pennsylvania, and the pain that echoed in the years after. Also tonight, COVID vaccine fight. President Biden says bring it on as more than 20 Republican governors call his new mandate an assault on private business. Plus, the new study showing unvaccinated Americans are 11 times more likely to die of COVID. The heroes of Flight 93, 20 years after passengers aboard the United flight prevented an attack on the nation's capital, their families gather to honor them. Our conversation with Condoleezza Rice with U.S. forces out of Afghanistan, is America less safe? Afghanistan in turmoil. We're at a chaotic border crossing where the Taliban won't let Afghan refugees out and Pakistan won't let them in. 9-11 and mental health. A look at the crisis facing our first responders still suffering. Teen Titans, the surprise women's final at the U.S. Open. And on the road, September 11th turned a newlywed into a widow and how her new purpose, making sure we never forget that day. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting on the 20th anniversary of 9-11 from New York. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We are coming to you tonight from one of the sites of the worst terrorist attacks on U.S. soil, Ground Zero, the World Trade Center site where passenger jets became missiles and office buildings looked like war zones. The attack that forever changed America took place 20 years ago tomorrow. In a moment, we will hear from the families of victims and examine the threats that exist today. We'll also take you to Shanksville, Pennsylvania, where Flight 93 went down. But we're going to begin with the current crisis facing this country, the COVID pandemic. Tonight, President Biden is getting fierce pushback to his vaccine mandate that would impact two-thirds of American workers. More than 20 Republican governors are lined up in opposition. The president is firing back, calling those governors cavalier with the health of children. And he appears ready to battle it out in court. Boosting his case is new research showing that if you are unvaccinated, listen to this, you are 11 times more likely to die from COVID. It's a pretty stunning number. CBS's Weijia Jiang is going to lead us off tonight from the White House. Good evening, Weijia. Good evening to you, Nora. Republican leaders are accusing President Biden of bullying and coercion, and they promise to take steps to stop those new requirements from taking effect. But tonight, the president is not backing down, stressing that lives are at stake. 
Tonight, new CDC data reveals how deadly the Delta variant can be as cases soar across the country. Those who were unvaccinated were about four and a half times more likely to get COVID-19, over 10 times more likely to be hospitalized, and 11 times more likely to die from the disease. At a middle school in Washington, D.C., President Biden urged young people to get their shots. That's it. Simple, plain, straightforward. Get them vaccinated. The push came just one day after the president rolled out the toughest federal vaccine mandates to date, including a new rule that employers with at least 100 employees must require workers to get their shots or get tested every week. Nearly two dozen Republican governors have publicly opposed the plan. Clearly, uh, we have uh, a president acting outside the bounds of the Constitution. Some have even threatened to sue the administration. Mr. Biden's response, bring it on. Have at it. I am so um, disappointed that uh, particularly some of the Republican governors have been so cavalier with the health of these kids. Many business owners are relieved to have political cover to issue a vaccine mandate. But Houston Furniture Store owner Sam Zavery worries some of his 300 workers will leave. But I just can't force anybody. And I'm scared that if I do force some people, a lot of people will quit and a lot of people will not want to work. Although many GOP governors vow to file lawsuits against the vaccine mandate, the White House believes it has the authority to issue one based on an existing law that ensures employees the right to a safe and healthy workspace. Legal experts tell CBS News they believe the administration will likely win in court. Nora? Weijia Jang, thank you. And we want to turn out to Shanksville, Pennsylvania, a tiny town where a hijacked plane believed to be headed for the nation's capital was brought down after dozens of passengers and crew members took heroic action. CBS's Nicole Killian spoke with a woman who's keeping their memory alive. 20 years later, it's uh, one of those things where it feels like it's been a really long time. And then on the other hand, it feels like it's only been a few minutes. Time knows no bounds for Emily Schenkel, who lost her godmother, Lorraine Bay, two decades ago when United Flight 93 came hurtling to the ground in this pastoral Pennsylvania field. She was a flight attendant for 37 years. Uh, If you can think of somebody who just absolutely loved their job, that was her. Emily will never know if Lorraine was part of the arduous struggle between the passengers and crew and the hijackers that ultimately prevented another attack. But their heroism was enough to inspire Emily to name her daughter after her. Why did you want to name your daughter Lorraine? It was just important to me that if I had a daughter, I would name her that just to make sure that the name carried on and the memory of her carried on. Around 500 family members and invited guests are expected to attend the 20th anniversary ceremony here Saturday, including President Biden and former President Bush. That'll be the largest number they've ever had. Nora? Nicole Killian, thank you. 20 years ago on 9-11, then-National Security Advisor Condoleezza Rice was inside the White House when the U.S. was attacked. We spoke with her a short time ago and asked her if America is less safe with U.S. troops out of Afghanistan. 
We are safer than we were on uh, September 11, 2001, but we're not yet safe, uh, Nora. We gave ourselves 20 years of peace when there was not another attack of anything like that scale, where we developed intelligence assets on the ground. Uh, but of course, it's sad uh, that on this day, the Taliban uh, is back in Afghanistan and in control. I don't think it had to be that way, but um, it's bittersweet. You know, it was interesting to hear from Michael Morell today, who was at the CIA at the time and was the principal briefer for President Bush, as you know. He said that he is highly confident that the Taliban will allow al-Qaeda to reconstitute in Afghanistan. Does that concern you? It concerns me greatly because I don't believe that this is a new Taliban. They've never broken their uh, bonds with uh, al-Qaeda. We know that they're still deeply integrated. And so I think we have a real security challenge ahead of us uh, to uh, both keep an eye on and to degrade uh, those capabilities uh, without forces on the ground. And how do you think the terrorism threat has evolved since September 11, 2001? The real danger is that al-Qaeda reconstitutes itself in uh, the highly disciplined, uh, extremely capable organization that was able to put together the attack of 9-11. We actually defeated that organization. Uh, if they can uh, reconstitute that, then we've got a different kind of terrorist threat than we have uh, currently. Looking back 20 years, there were a number of missed warning signs. The 9-11 Commission said that the CIA and the FBI had failed to detect the plot. And, of course, then-CIA Director George Tenet said the system was blinking red. Do you wish that some things had been done differently? I wish we had been um, organized differently. And we had a pretty hard boundary between uh, what the CIA did and what the FBI did. The FBI worked intelligence internally, the CIA externally. That, in fact, you have to think about how threats outside and inside merge together. Uh, we're in a better position now through uh, the coordination of the National Counterterrorism Center, through the way that the CIA and the FBI can now <clears throat> cooperate to share intelligence. Yes, I wish we'd been organized differently. And I will tell you, Nora, anybody who was in a position of authority on that day uh, does feel remorse for what happened, that we could have seen it coming. I still believe that we did everything that we knew to do on that day. But by definition, we didn't know enough. Was Condoleezza Rice. And in the months before 9-11, the CIA sounded the alarm that an attack on America was coming and that it would be, quote, spectacular. Well, a new CBS News documentary airing tonight takes us inside the CIA's hunt for al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden. Here now, a preview. A few weeks before uh, September 11th, we started noticing that the training camps were, were basically dead. The intelligence just dried up. What was a regular flow of intelligence about a significant al-Qaeda attack just was gone. The CIA knows an attack is coming somewhere. There was never intelligence that indicated the attack would be in the United States. Race Against Time, the CIA and 9-11 airs tonight at 8, 7 central right here on CBS. And it's also available tomorrow on the Viacom CBS streaming service, Paramount+. Plus. 
This September 11th anniversary will be the first with no U.S. troops in Afghanistan. And now the Taliban is back in charge. CBS's Charlie Daggett went to Pakistan's border with Afghanistan and tonight also has an update on the Americans still stuck in the country. 20 years after providing safe haven for those who attacked America on 9-11, the Taliban were proud to show us they're back in full control. For how long did you fight for the Taliban? I fought here for 20 years against you, the local commander told us, pistol in hand, and then invited us for tea. Now, nobody gets out without getting past his Taliban guards first. And Pakistan doesn't want to open the floodgates to refugees without international aid to help. Guards here told us they're letting those with urgent medical needs to cross. Nobody else is allowed to leave without the correct documentation. That means the vast majority of Afghan civilians. There is, for now, no way out. There is some good news, Nora. A second civilian aircraft took off from Kabul today following that first flight yesterday. We've learned tonight another 19 Americans were on board. That is good news. Charlie Daggett, thank you. Some firefighters and first responders who raced to the burning towers on 9-11 or sifted through the rubble in the aftermath suffer trauma to this day. CBS News chief medical correspondent Dr. John LaPook on a program that's helped nearly 20,000 responders and survivors. Firefighter Brian Bonsignor spent six months working recovery at Ground Zero. His GPS unit marked the exact location of victims' remains. To would come home at the end of the day and you have the smell of death on you. Uh, your shoes, your pores of your skin, your hair. Bonsignor developed asthma and PTSD. 9-11 anniversaries trigger those PTSD symptoms. You become very sharp with people. You become very distant with people. I dealt with it by dissociating myself from it, from TVs, newspaper events. And if, if you relive it, it just piles on and piles on and piles on and piles on. Dr. Sandra Lowe directs mental health services for the World Trade Center Health Program at Mount Sinai. Some individuals are actually having what we call their anniversary reactions earlier than usual. For some people, it's because this anniversary happens to be coming in the context of a pandemic. So it's a confluence of events. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some patients started isolating more uh, during the pandemic and having a really hard time actually uh, mobilizing themselves. This 20th anniversary, coming on the heels of the pandemic, is even triggering first-time mental health issues. We had eight new patients coming in, and all of them needed uh, psychiatric treatment. For you, the memories are so vivid, but do you think for some others that the memories are fading too quickly and that they don't really I appreciate? Think so. I think that... It should be talked about, you know, what they did. They gave their life, not me. And honoring that sacrifice could be another path to healing. Dr. John LaPook, CBS News, New York. 
We all have busy lives these days, and we don't want to waste a day recovering after a night out. That's why Zbiotics is the answer we've all been looking for. Their probiotic was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Pre-alcohol produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. This is a proactive solution that wards off feeling miserable the next day instead of a reactive approach like drinking electrolytes or eating greasy food. Enhance your mornings with Zbiotics. Go to zbiotics.com/cbs to get 15% off your first order when you use code CBS at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money back guarantee. So, if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com/cbs and use the code CBS at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and our good times. In California, new fires have broken out after a widespread lightning storm. Firefighters who have been battling the largest blazes in the state, the Dixie and Calder fires, have actually been sent to these new fires to get them under control. All right, tonight we're following extreme weather in the east and the west. Olaf has weakened to a tropical storm after lashing the Los Cabos resorts in Mexico. Some areas could get a foot of rain. And in the east, Hurricane Larry is expected to hit Newfoundland, Canada tonight. It's kicking up huge waves and high winds on the U.S. Atlantic coast. We're feeling a bit of that wind tonight. And here in New York City tomorrow, two teen titans will take center stage at the U.S. Open Women's Final. 19-year-old Leila Fernandez of Canada and 18-year-old Emma Raducano of Britain stunned the tennis world Thursday night, advancing to their first-ever Grand Slam championship. Get this, it is the first time since 1999 that two teenagers are in a Grand Slam final. It's been fun to watch them play. The 9-11 Memorial and Museum here at Ground Zero will ensure that future generations learn about the attacks. But it might not exist were it not for one determined woman. Here's CBS's Steve Hartman on the road. After 20 years in a box, Monica Eichen is ironing her wedding dress, getting ready to wear it once more. And although she will wipe away every wrinkle, she will not smooth over the tragedy it represents. I think wearing the dress makes a statement. What is the statement? That I was happily married the day he died. And I was looking forward to having a family. Monica was married just 11 months when her husband Michael, a bond trader, died in Tower 2. It was a brief marriage, but Monica says the loss feels everlasting. There is no moving on. You never move on from it. You move in. You move into the life that was chosen for you. Hi, my name is Monica Eichen, founder of September's Mission. When I first met Monica, just four months after 9-11, she'd already moved into that new life. We will fight. Advocating for a memorial on the site of the towers and warning that any other use of the land would be unacceptable. You're going to stand down there Absolutely. in front of the bulldozers and not let them put up a building. Right. We don't build over crying souls. She was tenacious. Relentless. George Pataki, New York governor at the time, says it's important to remember that a lot of people didn't think we needed a memorial here. People who just said we had to move on, just rebuild. But Monica said this was hallowed ground. Was there a louder voice than hers? (laughs) 
a lot of people deserve credit for that, but certainly Monica Eichen is among the most. Monica has since remarried and has a family, but she freely admits and has come to accept that she will always be in love with two men. We can live our lives, but still keep that memory. Moving in, but never moving on. Her motto and her vision for this most sacred space. Steve Hartman, On the Road, in New York. Tomorrow morning, we will have live coverage of the 9-11 anniversary ceremonies starting at 8.30 in the East, 5.30 in the West. And a final word about where we are tonight, where the Twin Towers once stood. Behind me are the names of 2,977 fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters and friends who died here at the Pentagon and in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, 20 years ago tomorrow. A day that forever changed America and the world. I'm Nora O'Donnell in downtown New York City. Good night. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today, or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey.